You're listening to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. Once again, it's a pleasure to be here with you. On this episode, I'm going to chat with you a little bit about the upcoming election in the United States, the midterm elections for next Tuesday, November 8th. This episode is only going to be audio because by the time it will air in video, it'll be, the election will be over. So anyway, sit back, relax, and give me a moment, and I'll be right back with you. So welcome again, and for those of you who will listen to this podcast as soon as it airs, good morning to you. I'm actually recording this. It is Thursday, uh, what are we at, November 3rd, that's the middle of the day. Um, went out today, had a dental appointment, so, you know, nothing I particularly like, but had to get it over with, so it's done, and now I'm back home, and I decided to you know, jump into my studio and, and, and record this quick episode because it's, it may be short, it may be quick, but it's critical and it's crucial. And it's all about having your voice heard. Now, I know, I know, I know many people I interact with say, you know, I don't even bother voting anymore because it doesn't matter. And I'm here to wake you up. I'm here to tell you that just look around you what's happening in this particular election in New York. Regardless of, and I'm not coming from a partisan position. I'm not in injecting my anything from my personal um, opinions or selections into this conversation or into this this monologue. But many people around the country paid attention to other states because New York is such a heavily Democratic state that the assumption was that Governor Kathy Hochul would continue on, whether you liked it or not, whatever side you're on. And now recently, and even today, I think both um, Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris are in New York stumping for Kathy Hochul because while all the other states have been fighting in these close races, and it is a close race, and we'll talk about that a little bit too, but or there are close races around the nation, but everybody assumed New York and all of a sudden Kathy Hochul and Z Zeldin, Lee Zeldin are neck in neck. Now, if you remember, this state, yes, it is heavily, heavily Democratic in population, but I think what happens is, regardless of what side you're on, the truth of the matter is that when New York votes so heavily Democratic, as the years go by, the leaders take the Democratic voters for granted. The leaders assume that you make a speech here and there, and they're just going to vote for me, so why? You know, what do I, I don't need to do anything further. There are a lot of issues right here in New York that we are looking at the, that I've spoken about in my podcast. There's still a lot of um, racial inequality, systemic racism. There's still the advocacy needed, even at a state level, for our, our leaders to, to either campaign for, for uh, President Biden to do something better with student loans, or the state take some of the, the tax money maybe that's given to the federal government, something, and at least uh, provide real relief. Not $10,000, real relief. And I think I've said this to you before. If you divide $10,000 over 30 years, it's like 20-something dollars a month. That's the forgiveness that you're getting. For people who have huge, 
huge student loan debt and cannot simply have done everything they can and cannot get the kind of job that allows them to live a life, pay their mortgage, drive a vehicle, pay their bills, feed their family, and pay student loans, not because they're, they're a lack of effort, because every time they go into the, the, the corporate world, every time they go for the positions that are higher up, they make the kind of income irrespective of their credentials, irrespective of their capabilities, they always lose the battle. They always get that email letter that says, thank you so much for applying, but we've decided to go with another candidate. And, and, and this may not be true in all scenarios, obviously, but in many of those scenarios, the difference between the choice of the candidate was the color of their skin. People of color have faced these challenges. You know, I've even learned that people who are, let's, let's, let's call this the way it is, many people who are privileged, many people who have lived through life, um, they may not necessarily outwardly practice racism, but there are many white people who automatically will choose their own. And they're not even thinking about it, even though it's an act of, of, of racism or, or an act of prejudice because the candidate, other candidate may have, been, or may have been better. They just naturally gravitate towards that because that's their world. We people of color are either, are either dealing with systemic racism or we're just dealing with a natural aura of, of, of energy that's against us because of the color of our skin. And here we are in New York. And I think, what was the last one? Maybe Pataki, Governor Pataki. But here we are in New York and, you know, we get, uh, Governor Hochul is neck and neck with a Republican for the position of Governor of New York. Now, again, I am not at any stage, and I'm, I'm a weird person when it comes to voting, okay? I'm not one of those people who goes into the booth and, because I even had uh, an employee at the elections office I went to a few years ago tell me, oh, uh, what do you register that? Okay, just check all the boxes down. That's not the way I vote. I try to really get involved. I ask of, I, I do what I ask of you, my listeners, to, when you get involved. I try to look at, the, at, at who's up for election, even some people who are I've been unfamiliar with, sometimes they're, they're, they're judges on the ballot that I've never heard of. So I try to get as much information as I can so that when I go in the booth, I'm choosing the person who I believe that stands for the people, that is fair, that is honest, that, that helps to balance the, the injustice that people of color are facing. And if that person is independent, if that person is Democrat, if that person is Republican, I'm not voting because of the, their, their affiliation with the party. I'm voting because I've studied them, I've looked at their decisions, and I've understood that this is the person that can do the job. Now, you need to keep in mind that people are affiliated with parties sometimes for different reasons. So a person who is, you know, sometimes we just look at someone who's Democrat and we label them, we stereotype them, and we look at someone who's Republican and we stereotype them. And maybe 80% of the time we're right, but there is that 20% where that person's affiliation with that party is for a specific reason and doesn't necessarily mean that they identify with the, 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 uh, completely with the ideology of that party. And if they're in a public position or have a position of influence, um, and we've seen this happen before where they make decisions that are contrary to the beliefs of their party. And sometimes they even get shunned, uh, shunned and shamed by their party. We have sort of the exact same thing going on in the January 6th committee right now for the insurrection, right? There are several, several Republicans on that committee who have been shunned and shamed by their party because they stood against our previous president, because they stood, they simply said, 
you know, my ideology is, is in line with, with Republican, but I will not stand for indecency. I will not stand for illegality. I will not stand for someone who has put our, our nation and, and its security and its, its whole face to the world in jeopardy. Someone who has almost shamed us by that act that was on live TV that, that went on, you know. And so, you know, I, I also ran into Republicans who saw what happened on TV and look at me in my face and tell me it never happened. They tell me there was never any weapons. The insurrection is a hoax. It never happened. Yet we watched it on live TV from, from many different uh, TV stations. So, you know, you have to decide that when you look at, in New York especially, and you look at a race that, you know, many Democrats would have said, I'm not going to vote this year because Democrat always wins. Well, that's not always the case. And that's not always the case. You got Georgia. You got a lot of other states that they are tight races, Pennsylvania. And while we can't influence, we in New York can't influence those races, my audience is beyond New York. My audience is beyond every state in the United States. My audience is beyond the borders of the United States. And so if, therefore, there has to be someone who listens to me, who is, uh, who is in those states, who can, who can act as an advocate to spread the message by simply spreading this podcast to those states and, you know, and, and make sure that people get out and vote. You know, there's, 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 there's one thing when, you, when you're a kid on the playground and you get into a fight and you're too scared to fight. Your opponent throws one punch. You're on the ground. The fight's over. Versus you stand and you fight for what you believe in. You might win. You might lose. But at the end of the fight, if you put up a good fight, you will gain. You will gain respect, and now people will start to notice you because you've made your statement. In this fight, your vote is the fight. There are a lot of things at stake here. Okay, I'm not even going to touch the Roe versus Wade because I, I've said it many, many times. I believe that women should be the people who only have the choice to make that decision. Now, I'm a father. So I'm not saying that, you know, as, as, as the other person in the equation, that males, you know, um, won't feel any way about this. But we have to say that if we are being honest and we're using percentage, technically we are 10% and women are 90% of that equation that brings birth into this world. They've got nine months of carrying, the pains, the morning sickness, the depression, all the other things that as men we don't have to face and many times we don't even understand. Yet there are men all around this country and the world making decisions about women's bodies and women's choices. We have a right as men to voice how we feel. An opinion is an opinion. But when it comes to making law that changes someone's life forever, that puts lives at risk, that puts women's lives at risk, I believe that women should be the ones making this decision. So women all over the country, regardless of what party you're affiliated with, if this is an important issue to you, even if you're not someone of childbearing age or you can't have children or you pass and never had children, you should still have, have you know, think about where you put your, your vote because it's still against your agenda. It's still your agenda standing up and united as one. We have seen also a lot of corruption around this country a lot of politicians involved in a lot of things and lot, many of them have been caught we have seen people who have gone to jail and been pardoned 
when you or I, you know, if, 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 if we step off the sidewalk and it's illegal, we turn around, there'll be a cop there to arrest us. Yet, you have people who are doing you know, heinous crimes, who are hurting people financially, who are doing things that are beyond the law, and they want to be above the law. And when they're caught and they're prosecuted, they get pardoned. I don't want to call names because that's not what this podcast is about. But if you think carefully and you read the news, there's a specific person, I believe, that matches this, this, this picture. And that's the person who I think was pardoned and then I think just got sentenced or is about to get sentenced on the state level. We need to think about the integrity of our lives, our future. We need, to, we need to put Washington on notice. We need to make sure they understand that there's no longer you're just going to get my vote because I'm a member of your party. I mean, I meet so many people, and I've got to say this is more, and again, I'm not being partisan, but I'm being truthful. I meet more Republicans who have no clue what their party's ideologies are. They just simply vote Republican because they're Republican. Some of them vote Republican because they're racist. That's the truth. And, they, and they, they, they have hateful things to say about black people. I mean, let, let's, let's take, put a twist on this. Either earlier, I'm trying to remember, was it earlier this week or late last week, sometime around the last seven to ten days, Twitter was, finally went through its sale to Elon Musk. And I'm driving home one day, I'm listening to the news, and, and they're looking, you know, people are watching Twitter carefully to see what's going on. And within three days, the use of the derogatory N-word, I'm not going to say it on my podcast, the N-word to describe black people, something that's most egregious, most hateful, a word that should probably carry a prison sentence with it to be, you know, if you utter it in that manner for that reason, simply because of what it represents to, to an entire race. The use of that word went up 500% in three days. All that tells me is there are a whole bunch of hateful, racist people just holding their tongues and wishing for another opportunity to explode and spew their hatred into the world, into our, into our society, and further divide us. Somebody has told them, somebody has convinced them that when they die, I don't, know, I don't know, maybe when we, you know, we use this term six feet under, which is, I think, the level, um, you know, they bury, I don't know if it had the, I don't know how exactly how that came about, whether it's something to code or, you know, a certain depth below the surface, obviously, because of our bodies decompose or whatever. But the point is, I'm trying to find out whether they feel that somehow when we die, their death will be different than us colored people because of the color of their skin. I'm trying to find out that when they go to the hospital and they get a cut, if they go to a prestigious ward because the color of their blood is different. I'm trying to find out that if they had children, they have their family, or if they just had a desperate reason they wanted to live and all that they needed was blood to live and my blood type was an exact match, whether they would accept death or, you know, and say, oh, I don't want that end person's blood running through my veins or they would choose life. You know, we bleed the same, we hurt the same, we cry the same. The only difference we can't do is live the same. And there's got to be a point where, like Generation Z, the people who are the young people now, 
I'm proud of many of them because most of them I encounter are over this color thing. White people are marrying black people. Different race Spanish people are marrying white people. Black people are marrying Spanish. You look at the generations today, and they have, they have somehow managed without our help. And I'm going to say without our help because a lot of the activism that we put forward, we struggle just to get people of our own generation to change their thoughts, to change their colors. We struggle to let them, to see them, you know, to have them just accept the fact that we're all human beings. That if everybody looked the same, the world would be so boring. So they're different shades of the same people. Different shades of the same human beings. There's nothing else different between us except the color of our skin. We are who we are. We are who God created. We are equal in His eyes. Because as the Word said, we were created in His image. He didn't create colored people in somebody else's image and white people in somebody else's image. Black is just a darker shade of white. And white is just a brighter shade of dark. You know, it, it has got to be a point where we recognize our own destruction. That we come together, people of color, white, every single human being, and decide at least, regardless of the other things that we face as challenges against each other, that we're going to accept us all as human beings. Whatever your belief is in a higher power, whatever else you believe is how you got here. You are here. And the quality of life you have, the quality of life you lead, and the part of this world we live in where you can contribute to making someone else's life just as good or, or you know, as good as yours, so that equality reigns, has to be colorblind. We look at the corruption in terms of the last election, in terms of not so much corruption, but the misinformation, the, the allegations that somehow there were millions of votes stolen. And again, I'm not saying this from a Democratic position nor a Republican position. I'm saying it from a common sense position. Unproven allegations. Allegations have been taken to every level of court, state, federal, and Supreme Court, and every judge they've gone against has said, there is no proof of anything close. Yet I walk around in these and, and speak to different people who uh, just believe. You see them on Facebook. I see them in Macy's. I see them all. They just are very sure that those millions of votes were stolen and that the current president didn't win. You've heard enough of my podcast to know that I'm not a big fan of what this this, this uh Leadership is doing what this, what the president and, and his his policies and his his what I believe is is failure to stand by his words of understanding systemic racism, understanding the plight of people of color, his inability to stand up and have the as as the intestinal fortitude to do something historic rather than worry about who's going to get elected next. That's not why we put you there. So come Tuesday, I can't hold your hand and take you to the polls. But whatever you do, I ask you to vote. And if you listen to me and you do vote, I ask you to vote your conscience. And before you, your con you vote your conscience, take the time to think of what's righteous or what's real or what the truth is. Vote because you, you have 
a voice of integrity. Vote because it is your right. Vote because you are tired of seeing what's going on in our world, the death and destruction and the hatred and the vile words that are thrown at each other. Vote because you want to be a better human being. And vote because you have a purpose and an obligation to be a part of positive change, which should be the price you pay for occupying this space on this earth. This has been Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.